Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Fiction. Science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Uh, joining us from the UK, we have author Mandy Brown. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, now, you've written a book um, called uh, Nipples to Kneecaps interesting name um well how did you come up with a name like that first off well the the book is called nipples to kneecaps to die or not to die with cancer the nipples to kneecaps is actually reference to the fact that many years ago when you were get, went into hospital for a small operation you were often shaved from your nipples to your kneecaps and it was one of the little things that happened in the book early on that really surprised Steve. And we had a bit of a chuckle about because he'd only had his appendix out at that point. <laughs> yeah, he was shaved nipples to kneecaps. But then it also links to the fact that later on, when we discovered um, that Steve was completely full of cancer, that effectively it was almost nipples to kneecaps in, in that way. So it's got two sort of meanings. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's let's start with you. So, um, give some of your background uh, before we get into the book itself. Um, well, I met Steve when I was still at school, and so obviously we've been together a long time, which is which is brilliant. I was originally a teacher, a teacher of the deaf, and Steve was originally a chef when I first met him, and then he became a sales manager. And that's sort of where we were at the beginning of the book, a very young family, very much in love. And we just had our first child. And I was on maternity leave when all of this, well, I, having had our first child, Alex, uh, when all this started with Steve being ill. Um, so that's just prior, prior, prior before the book. 
Well, let, let's talk about the basic premise of the story. Um, so expl explain the main detail of, of the book to start with. Well, when Steve was, was 25, as I say, um, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. This was in 1986. And the way sort of it, it happened is, um, <laughs> there's a little bit of a backstory to it, but generally for, for me, the whole story starts, and, and this is where it starts within the book as well, when I went to see the consultant and bear in mind at this point Steve had been very ill for about a year in and out of hospital with no understanding as what's going on and why he was so ill. Anyway I went to see the consultant and eventually this consultant who'd just done an operation on Steve um, leaned over to, to me and these were meant to be reassuring words basically it was a bit of a in one way said you know Steve has best he has got three months to live but we will help him to die as painlessly and as peacefully as possible that's what we were told so that was you would think quite a quite a shock to me <laughs> uh, to everyone the christmas before which was alex our little one's first christmas steve had actually said when he was in such intense pain and spent so much time in hospital already at that point you know if this is cancer um I'm going to give up because it's just too painful. So I got that in the background. The other thing that happened was the consultant, as he was telling me that um, they'd done all the tests, tests, they'd done all the, they'd opened Steve up and had a look, he was full of cancer, they just sewed him back together um, and just thinking, well, this is beyond hope. He was completely full of metastatic tumours, so what we call stage four. And I had had a little bit of, um, a, you may call it a premonition, but for me, it was my grandmother who had, who, who had died, who'd come to me a couple of nights before and told me that Steve had got cancer. So that night when I realised, so Steve was lying in hospital, if you can imagine the scenario, he'd had, he'd been opened up, they'd had a look at him, they found he was full of cancer, closed him up and said, too late, it's just far too late, this young man's, you know, going to die. And I was lying in bed at, at night and I heard this voice saying, yes, he's definitely got cancer. And I cried my eyes out because that night I realised here I was a young mother with a baby, not, not even one. And I just cried and cried and cried. And I remember sitting up in bed after many hours and suddenly going, whoa, stop. What am I doing? Oh, my gosh. I am crying for me because I didn't want to be a mother left on her own without the person, the partner she loved. And I suddenly realised that all of this crying and tears was an absolute waste of my energy. And I literally declared to the walls, <laughs> you know, OK, that is it. Enough. I am not crying anymore. I will cry if and only if Steve dies. Uh, I'm going to channel that energy into something else. So I then started to formulate a plan, uh, which was a very unusual plan. And that included things like banning my own mother from seeing Steve and his, his grandma because they couldn't see Steve without crying uh, because he, he looked so ill and indeed he was very ill. So when I did go and see the consultant a couple of days after this um, happening, I, I was a little bit prepared. I'd already got a little bit of a plan in mind. 
So I went along to the, the consultation. So when the cons, you know, he sort of said these things to me that, you know, this is the end, there's nothing we can do, but you know, we'll help him to die peacefully. Um, I, I was there and I said, no, and bear in mind, I was only sort of 25 myself. Um, and I, I was like, no, you know, with all respect, you might be a fantastic. However, I want a second opinion and I knew exactly who I wanted. Um, and the other thing that he did, he'd actually given me this three months deadline and said he's got three months at most. And I, I made a decision that day. Uh, and that was that I was not going to tell anyone else about this three month deadline or death sentence, as I called it. So the only people who knew was myself, Steve's parents and my parents and everyone else was not going to know that. So a couple of days later, when I went down the ward to tell Steve that he had terminal cancer, um, you know, I sort of walked down the ward and Steve was very surprised to see me. And I sat on his bed and I said, okay, we finally know what's wrong with you. And I said, remember that thing called Hodgkin's? And he went, oh yeah. And I said, well, it's not that. <laughs> we, we'd hoped it was because at that time there was a little bit of chance of treatment. So he said, what is it? And I said, well, it's, you've got, you know, you've got tumours. What are tumours? And I said, cancer. So he, he sort of said, oh, he said, um, I thought the nurses had stopped talking to me because they thought I was going to, to die. Um, so I just smiled and um, he didn't ask me how long he'd got, but he went very quiet once I told him that, yes, you have got cancer. And I said, but I'm going to have immediately after I've spoken to you, Steve, I've got two people coming to see you. This was part of my plan. And they were these two people. And, and bear in mind, in the 1980s, finding people who survived cancer was very, very difficult. But I'd found two people who'd survived and were still alive and they were coming in to have a chat with Steve. So that was already starting the, the, the plan um, going. But Steve sort of stood there when I told him and he went very, very quiet. And he just said, well, I've got three things I want to do with my life. So I said, OK. And he sort of held up three fingers and said, number one, I want to grow old with you. And number two, I want to see our son grow up. And number three, and this one completely floored me because I thought I knew Steve. He was me going, I know what Steve needs. I, I know what we're going to do. And he then said something which I was like, pardon, what? <laughs> and he said, number three, I want to be a fencing champion. And I'm like, but you don't even fence. What? And he said, oh, well, many years ago when I was a, when I was at school, a, a guy came in, a, a supply teacher, and he did fencing. And I was absolutely, I loved it. And I'd like to be a fencing champion. I didn't know about this secret desire. I did now. So that's one of the reasons you'll see on the, on the cover we've got some foils. So, you know, these were his three wishes. And, you know, th th those three wishes were, were things that kept Steve going as well. And he did become, as, as you'll find out in the book, he, we did take up fencing. Um, that in itself was an, an, an interesting time, <laughs> taking someone who, who was very, very ill at fencing. But um, it's one of the things that we did do. So, um, so if, if uh, help me understand here. So... Um, uh, so you find out that um, they're saying he's got three months to live. He's got cancer. They're going to help him die as comfortably as possible okay. and, and, and all that. But you and your mind, now you're, you're going, well, 
uh, I've got a plan. I'm going to do something. So what, what exactly were you thinking you were going to do with your plan, like having people to talk to them and, and uh, the, 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 the mother's not coming because of crying and all that stuff. So what was going through your mind at that moment? Well, I think um, at that moment, I, I knew that I had to channel all of the energy that I was feeling, all of the emotion, the raw emotion, the pain, the worry, the concern, the fear of being alone, all that sort of stuff. I had to channel it into a more helpful energy, if you like. Um, I was, I mean, one of the things that also happened was when I was sitting on the bed with Steve that day and he said his three things. Remember I said about me not crying? Well, right. Steve, and this was one of the things about Steve and I being quite so in tune. He actually sat up in bed and he looked at me and he said, if you don't cry, I won't cry. So that was a pact we made. Okay. And then I did say, but if you're in intense pain, because at this point he was in intense pain. You know, I said, it's okay to cry for intense pain. I know what he's talking about. We're not going to cry for self-pity. Right. For those sort of things. So that was a little pat we made about the not crying. Um, and, and, and then I, an example of, of what then sort of started to happen is if you can imagine, Steve hadn't literally got out of bed for a month or so because he was so weak. You know, he's a, a normally a strapping six foot two guy. Um, we did martial arts, we did dancing and you know, sort of a very fit man. And, until this happened and now I'm looking at a person in the bed who was you know he it stopped getting on the scales at about nine stone I don't know what that is kilograms but um he was a very frail young very thin young man when I looked at him I could already begin to see the bones through the skin so uh there he is in the bed and not being able to move hasn't got out of bed for, for days and when I sort of said to him right we're going to have um, Reg come to see you and Jamie come to see you and they're going to actually share with you their mindset their attitude as to how and what they did and we knew he knew Reg because Reg was um, my physiotherapist at the time and Reg had been given uh, he'd had stomach cancer and he had decided mind over matter was what was going to keep him alive incidentally Reg is still alive today just as an aside but anyway so that was an example of the sort of person that was I was going to get to, to see him so at that point then Steve said to me okay um you know how what, what are you going to do now and I said well I've got to go now because that's not supposed to be visiting time and Steve said well I'll get out of bed and walk you to the door <laughs> I'm like well you're going to walk me to the door so he he stood up and the nurses came running over because he was a very ill man who could hardly stand and he wanted to walk his wife to the door and my dad was waiting outside um and as he sort of walked me to the door the nurses rushed over to obviously help him and he he turned turned sort of back to them and sort of in steve's jokey way um, so he said, uh, you yeah, know, no, 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 yeah, it, it's okay, it's okay. And I go, oh, well, yeah, it's very cold, because then we open the door to the hallway where the cold air from outside rushes down the corridor into the ward. And they'll go, oh, and he turned around and just sort of looked at them and said, well, am I going to catch my death of cold? I thought, okay, we've got humour here. Steve has found his humour again. He's going to work with this. So humour became one of the things. So we decided that as soon as we got Steve home, that we were, get, we were going to do things like 
Uh, we banned the TV news, for example, news programs. We didn't watch anything that was sad or uh, argumentative or anything in a more negative vein. We only watched comedies. We had loads of music throughout the house all the time. When people did come to visit Steve, the rule was you can come and visit Steve, but no crying, no, oh, I'm really sorry, uh-uh, etc. The rule was you come and you visit Steve and you tell him more about your life, what fun you were having and how fantastic life is, because that's what we want to know. We want to see life carrying on while we are sorting ourselves out. So that was another thing. Um, but then as time went on, the plan grew and grew. But one of the things that happened was, remember I asked for the second opinion? Right. Right. Well, this this other doctor, there, and the reason I found this Dr. K that, who came with a second opinion was because the other gentleman that I found that had survived despite all the odds, this was his consultant, which is why I asked for this particular one. And Jamie said to me, you know, Dr. K will treat you, especially if you're young, up to your dying breath. So it's like, that's the one we want. Um, and so he came to see us and there's a, a scene that's sort of etched in our memories really of this, this doctor coming and standing at the end of bed. Now bear in mind, I've told Steve everything I know except for the three month deadline. And he's standing at the end of the bed, this doctor, this doctor kitchen, and he is uh, looking through the notes and we are saying, okay, so um, Steve goes, so when can I start treatment? And he's looking through the notes. Bear in mind, the other doctor had said no treatment possible. When you looked at Steve's x-rays, the radiographers were like, they, they called everybody round to have a look because he was so full of tumours. They actually came and said, my gosh, you must be in incredible pain. And he was, you know, he's on loads of morphine to try and cope with the pain, but it was incredible pain because he was so full. They were really pushing and squashing all of his organs out of the way. So you can sort of understand why a doctor, you know, once said we can't possibly treat, it's just too, 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 too far gone. Right. So here we are with this Dr. K at the end of the bed and he just stands there and he looks through his notes very slowly and the time's ticking. And I'm thinking, come on, talk to us. Tell us what you're going to do. And he just goes, no, no, there's nothing we can do. And I'm like, no, no, there is, there is. And I'm thinking, what can we say to get this guy to try and at least try some treatment? And in the end, he keeps looking at the notes. And finally, he turns around and he just looks straight up at, at us. And he says, um, well, th the problem is, is all the tumours we found, they're all secondary tumours. And back then, even from secondary tumours, unless you had the, the primary tumour, you couldn't work out what, you know, what was the best form of treatment. But anyway, everything they found was all secondary tumours so far. And so he said, I've just no idea how we can treat this. This is just impossible. So we're looking at him and, you know, Steve was like, well, surely there's something you can do. And he just looked at Steve and went, look, you know, if the cancer doesn't kill you, the chemotherapy will. And I hear my voice going, great, thank you, we'll take it. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, I've just said if the cancer doesn't kill you, the chemotherapy will. And I went, yes, but in that sentence, you use the word of a treatment. So let's go for it. <laughs> then he turned around and he's very, very dour, this, this consultant. I mean, but he turns around and he looks and he says, um, hmm. And I said, well, when can, Steve goes, when can I start? When can I start? And he looks just at me, just looks at me. And he said, I can't offer anything for at least three months 
Now, bear in mind, I'm the only one in that room that knows that three months is all they've given Steve. So at that point, another thing goes in my head thinking, right, I will just make sure that I nag you until you do that treatment before the three months deadline. And that's what I did. Okay, phony happens. Oh, Steve's doing really, really well. Can we start the treatment now? And he said, we can't start the treatment because Steve had been operated on and opened up. And clearly, when you, if you're trying to have chemotherapy, you can't have an open wound because then it won't heal. Um, so there was that little dilemma to get over. But uh, anyway, so let's sort of, we, we then get, go home while we're waiting for the three months before they'll even consider doing any sort of treatment, as he says, which will probably kill Steve anyway, but you know, we were going. So we're home and we're thinking, well, what else can we do? And, and Steve started, all this was very intuitive. Okay, very, very intuitive. Now, through the last 30 years, when we look back, I understand why the things we did worked. But at the time, it was pure intuitive. And everybody around us, all the nurses, all the doctors, all the family, and most friends, all could just believe that Steve was going to die. So it was really a world of just me and Steve saying, no, this isn't going to happen. You know, and Steve said, I'm not going to die with cancer, which is one of the reasons the the title is to die or not to die with cancer. He said, I'm going to have to die sometime, but I'm not going to die with cancer. That's one of the reasons for that title as well. But anyway, so we were there and uh, we decided, apart from all those other positive things, that Steve started a mantra. And the mantra was that every night before he tried to go to sleep was he would say tomorrow I will feel better tomorrow I will feel better so that was one mantra and then um, we then naturally intuitively started what we what were visualizations so Steve decided his visualizations he picked for some bizarre reason he picked the Prussian army um, as a visualization that there's a Prussian army inside inside, inside him that were going to find all the tumours and it was a very bloody scene that he provided uh, where they kind of cut the tumours up and sort them all out and all that sort of thing. Uh, whereas mine was a, a more sort of gentle, maybe nursing one, where I was surrounding him a little bit like Florence Nightingale with, with uh, beautiful light and healing. <laughs> but we had those, those two things going on. But Steve would also curse at the cancer and shout at it for, at times. Um, but those visualizations were something that he did. And it, it wasn't until uh, a couple of months went by that we were obviously asking people for help. We weren't um, particularly religious or spiritual people. But anybody who said, oh, I'll pray for him. I said, yes, thank you very much. Please do that. Because I believe that prayer, energy, good thoughts, etc., would all help. Was better energy coming towards Steve? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Then energy that was saying, oh, he's going to die. Oh, isn't it terrible? Isn't it awful? Because, yes, it was. It was awful to see him in that state. But we couldn't afford to remain in that negative bubble. We had to be in a more positive bubble. So, sort of needless to say, we got to the, the just before the three months, and I'd phoned up the consultant of the, the secretary of the consultant and said, Steve's really doing well. He's doing absolutely fantastic. He's really doing well. Uh, can he start the treatment? Can he start the treatment? And, and literally, about one week before the three months, <laughs> the consultant finally said, Yes, okay, you can start some treatment. So, we thought, Yes, that's another part of the, the team coming together of everybody helping. So Steve did start chemotherapy and when he came home from his first chemotherapy, I really thought, what have I done? Um, you know, because he, he now seemed, it didn't seem that it was going to be possible, but he now seemed worse than he was before um, <laughs> because now he was throwing up everywhere. So again, we had this, 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 this idea that, okay, every time you throw up and Steve will say, and every time I go to the toilet and every time I perspire, we would say, there goes some more of the cancer. And it, it became quite a little chant throughout the house that as you heard Steve throw up, there were little sick bowls all over the house. And as he threw up, wherever we were, whether it was myself, my father, my mom, Steve, or friends, we would all chime, there goes some more of the cancer. And, and that's what we would say. So it was that type of thing. And then, you know, little Alex, uh, who was a real um, bundle of, of joy and energy, would want to climb on his, on his daddy, but daddy was obviously very, very poorly. Um, but Alex would climb on. And I remember one occasion I was in the kitchen and I could hear Alex laughing and then suddenly screeching in, in horror. And then I heard Steve laugh. So I go running and thinking, what on earth has happened? And Alex has jumped on top of daddy, who's had like one series of, ke of chemo. And he's, he's found a new game because what he's done, he's gone to pull daddy's hair and daddy's hair comes out in his hand. So Alex's new game is, oh, I can pull daddy's hair out. Let's pull all daddy's hair out. And he's having a way of time pulling out daddy's hair. And Steve thinks it's hilarious. But, you know, it, it's that type of attitude um, that I suppose helped. And Steve and I continue to to play puns and um, you know, sort of puns on words and, and have little jokes and laugh and try and find something 
good in everything and funny in, in things. Um, so that was another part of the, the, the plot, the plan. And then I think as, as time went, went on, as I say, they did start to give him chemotherapy. And we also had, as well as prayers and healing and things like that, we then had, um, we were offered something called spiritual healing. Again, we went, yeah, whatever, we don't mind it. We don't really know what it is, but yeah, come along. And this wonderful little lady came along called Doreen and, and her sister Dawn, and they came to the house and gave Steve this spiritual healing. Afterwards, I said to Steve, what was that like? And he said, oh, it was very relaxing. That was all I got. So I thought, oh, well, relaxing is good. Relaxing is good. That's what you need. Um, so we we started to have that. Then we get to, I think, we're at about six and a half months now, and Steve is still alive. Woohoo! Uh, and we go to see the consultant, and I am 100% positive that the consultant is going to say, it's working, it's fantastic, it's great. But he didn't. He turned around, and he completely floored us because he went, it's not working. The tumours are getting bigger. And that was a turning point because Steve just sort of looked at me and I, I felt Steve slipping away at this point, you know, because bless him, he had fought and fought and fought for six and a half months now. He'd gone past the sell-by date, you know, double the sell-by date. So I went home and I thought, what do I do? Um, so I, I found Doreen and I told her the bad news and she said, I'll come over. So she came over and I expected her to go and give healing to Steve. But she said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give Steve a book. And she gave Steve a book and came down and said, I'm going to give you healing. And so she, she sat and she gave me healing, which I'd, I'd not really had before. And I think that really helped me. It gave me strength because it felt like I was sort of being wrapped in love. That's the only way I can explain it. And I think for... For people in my situation um, that are in that situation now, they have to look after themselves as well. They've got to have that little bit of um, help themselves too, because that, that really helped me. And it was just after she'd finished giving me some healing, which was then I we heard Steve and he was swearing upstairs. So I thought, what's going on? So we, we go upstairs and there's Steve. And in this book that she'd given him, uh, it had actually given the dosage of morphine that you give. It was a book about healing and, and cancer patients. It was a, a book by Harry Edwards. And it, it was sort of saying that when a person with terminal cancer gets to a certain stage, they have X amount of morphine. And then there's a, a little bit of morphine that they up it a little bit just before they pass over. Steve was already way past that, uh, that dosage. Mm -hmm. And he just went, and now I don't do not advocate this. This is just what Steve did. He just put his book down and went, right, that's it. I am not going to take morphine any longer. He's been on it a year trying to decide the pain. He said, I'm all fuzzy. I can't think I'm in pain anyway. So I am stopping because I want to be able to think clearer. So we then went through withdrawal symptoms of morphine, <laughs> um, which was fun, as you can imagine. And Steve's, Steve's hallucination, you know, this being in tune with me I was talking about. Steve decided to hallucinate with the one thing that I absolutely detest. I'm sure they're beautiful little, little creatures, but this was maggots. He decided he got maggots all over his legs and would keep saying, Mandy, Mandy, get the maggots off, get the maggots off. So here's me. I absolutely hate little squirrely, squiddly things. And I'm having to 
almost buy into his hallucination to push away these maggots that are on his legs. So it's like, oh. But anyway, he got through that. And when we did go back to see the consultant a couple of weeks later, or a couple of months later, the consultant, number one, was visibly shocked that Steve actually walked through the door because he thought he had long passed and was in the earth by now. But here Steve walks in to go, hi, I'm still here. And now at that point, um, you know, he says, oh, by the way, I stopped the morphine. And he said, well, you know, the chemotherapy wasn't working. No, no, it wasn't. And so the doctor said, well, I might as well examine you. And he examined him. And to his credit, Dr. K, as we call him, Dr. K actually turned around and said, oh, my gosh, I have been a con you know, an oncologist for many, many, many years. And I have seen very few miracles. But this is one. This is a miracle. He said, the tumours are shrinking. So whatever you are doing, just carry on doing it. So we did. And that's what we did. And we carried on, carried on. And eventually we went back and it was like, that's it. There's no more tumours. They've gone. Um, so, you know, there were other things that obviously we did along the line. And one of them was we... We did every day, I suppose you'd now call it a meditation practice. Again, it was intuitive for us and partly guided by, we were told there was this thing called the healing minute, which is every uh, night at 10 o'clock and in the morning at 10 o'clock, it still goes on now, it still happens now. Uh, healers around the world to tune in and they either send healing, energy, thoughts, love, prayers, whatever, out to be used for healing and the people who need healing can be there and they can receive it so we did that every day as well and we had a little group of friends that would usually come and sit with us and we'd all sit and we'd meditate he didn't have a clue what we were doing <laughs> we were just belief and it was our way of i suppose helping steve and doing what we can do to to give that love and energy and I, I do believe that I, in the 30 years that have, have gone, I have different understandings of what was happening. So, yeah, so that was the other thing that we did. Mm -hmm. So at the, so when you wrote the book mm -hmm. and, and someone takes this home and reads it now, yes. um, what is it you want them to get out of it? Like what, what is the, the major point or mm. idea that you want them to walk away with? I think the major point is, if they are ever faced with what seems an impossible challenge, whether that is a terminal illness diagnosis or some other devastating disease or any other um, horrible thing that you know, sort of has happened to them, which seems an impossible situation, and they feel they're never going to get out of it or they, can't, they won't have the strength or ability to get out of it. I hope that they can remember Steve's story and draw on our strength that we had within that book and draw on what we did and, and realize that if it's possible for one person, Steve, it is possible for them. So that I, I want it to be a book of hope and inspiration that a person can, as I say, draw on and remember the story. Over the years, we've told the story to so many people, family, friends, people we've met. And time and time again, this has been lovely because people have come back and they've said, you know, you told me Steve's story. Yes. And they will say, I ended up, my sister had cancer or I have cancer. And I remembered Steve's story and it helped me be positive. It helped me take back control 
of my body. Because I think sometimes what can happen is when you're given a terminal diagnosis, it's almost sometimes that people feel like they've got no control left, but you have, you've got control over what happens to you. That is not to say, um, Steve and I have, have since then, we've worked with cancer patients almost all our life now. So obviously in that time, we've seen many, many people, despite the odds, survive and um, uh, live full and healthy lives. But equally, we've seen people who it was their time and they have they, they have they have died they, they've passed on my own father my uncle uh, included in that but what i can say when we've worked with them in the way that we work uh, that their passing has been one of of peace and readiness that's the only way i can say it but steve clearly wasn't ready and all i can say that i we share steve's story and know that it has in the past given people inspiration to fight their own battles whatever those battles are that then that's that's what my hope is that it will help them give them give them that confidence to to take power of what happens in their life and to maybe stand up sometimes and say no actually i'm going to do this or i want to do this so do you think the um the um strongest thing um to, that that you used to fight his cancer was your um more your inspiration more your um what you had more than anything that the doctors could do um i i like to say that it was a team effort um i know when we had we had a surprise party for steve at the very end um you know once he was all clear and we invited everybody all our friends who'd supported us all our family but we also invited all the nurses and the doctors and the physios and everyone and, and i feel that it's almost a holistic thing we work together um however i would say and i know i've asked steve many times um you know what he thinks it was and, it, and he would say it was our now we use the word mindset but at the time we used our intuition and our belief it was our belief in each other that even though everybody around us uh believed that it was going to die and i understand why but we had a knowing and we just went no we we there's a lesson here for us there's something we need to do let's work on this and and we kept that positivity um so for us i suppose it 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 was understanding uh, there's another aspect of this is that i also believe from a very young child that we are eternal um and that is something that i have a knowing about and i can't really explain too much in, in this interview but it is a a knowing that we are eternal beings and that there is something within that that also i was able to draw on and, and use but yeah, um, Steve would say that it was anything, and he he laughs and says, yeah, "The pain." <laughs> but apart from the pain, he said, "No, I wouldn't have changed it." And that's really odd for someone to hear. You know, who would willingly say, "Oh, yeah, I have cancer." What? But what he said was the reason that you know he wouldn't change it is because we learned such a lot. We learned a lot about ourselves, and in one way, we were very blessed because all of the other things that were going on with life were taken away and we were able to concentrate on what was important. And that was love, 
in a way, um, and family and, and, and being that unit. And in one way, we really value that time that we had, that very special time we had, which I would call that almost soul to soul time. Uh, that's very important. And that's what I mean about being eternal. It gave us that, that lesson of learning. We learned a lot of things and it, it did change our lives. It did change Steve to a certain extent. You know, he's never suffered fools gladly, he would say. Um, but also we will, you know, what we then went on to teach our children about believing yourself, believing yourself and everything is possible. You know, a life, um, a life lived in fear is a life half lived, things like that. So it's about then going on and really enjoying and embracing life. Life is meant to be fun. And I think we we knew that even when Steve was going through the worst of the cancer and, you know, things were happening to him. Uh, but we just knew that life was meant to be fun and we could get through it. So, yeah. Hmm. So um, now where can people find out about you? the story and more about uh, the book. Well, the book is on Amazon and obviously mm -hmm. it's called Nipples to Kneecaps to Die or Not to Die with Cancer by Mandy Brown. So you can buy the book on Amazon. Uh, you can also uh, go to my website, which is www.nipples2kneecaps.com or mandybrown.co.uk. Uh, but at the moment it still goes to nipples to kneecapscom um, You can also find us on Facebook uh, again, this Mandy Brown author is my Facebook page. Great. And um, I've also got a YouTube channel, um, Mandy Brown author as well, uh, right. YouTube. And I've got quite lots, lots of little um, clips that I've put on YouTube, like two minutes long uh, of why we've written it, what we think about healing, um, uh, little snippets of re reading out of the book. And the questions that people ask me, I've sort of tried to do the answers them in the little videos as well on the video channel. Fantastic. We'll have that on our website as well. So Thank people you. listening can just find you in one click. Um, has everything been okay with the COVID for you? And, and are you worried about that being, uh, especially Steve, being through cancer? Um, well, no. I mean, Steve actually works in hospitals. He works in about eight hospitals. So he has, throughout the whole of COVID, been going in and out to all the different hospitals. Um, and so, no, we, we've been fine. Uh, our daughter also works in the hospitals. Um, and no, we, we obviously take the precautions that we need to do. You're right. and following all the guidance and guidelines. But um, generally, you know, we are keeping healthy. Thank you. Hmm. And what's coming up next for you? Well, I've got a couple of books in pipeline. I've got oh. one that is um, called the Astral Projection Handbook, a hundred and one technique for out-of-body and astral travel um, in, in a very handy A to Z format. <laughs> so that's the Astral Projection Handbook. The other book I've got is a book on healing, the keys to healing. Because what we found is when we've been working with healers of, of whichever modality, sometimes the healers get ill. And also we found with patients, they're saying, I'm doing absolutely everything that I'm supposed to do. I still get ill what is going on so I try I, I've been looking into that and answering those questions and 
that's one, one of the other books. The Keys to Healing book is aimed at healers, uh, practitioners, and also aimed at people who are doing all the right things, but they, they need a little bit more guidance and, and help. Hmm. And then the third big book, which is a long booking process. One of our children is um, deaf, blind and autistic. And often when he was growing up, people would ask us, well, how do you communicate with a deaf, blind child or deaf, blind? What do you do? And through his life, we have had a lot of challenges. And not all of those challenges have come from the disability. They actually come from people's perceptions around him and also the system. We've had to fight the system, um, you know, to get the correct education. There were times when he ended up with no school because there couldn't be a school that were found and he had to be home educated. There were times when as he became an adult and he wanted to be this independent young man, we were always told he would never be able to talk but we were determined he might not be able to speak, but he would certainly be able to communicate and communicate he can, um, which, which is wonderful. But as he then became a, a young adult who wanted to be semi-independent, he ended up in supportive living. And unfortunately, on more than one occasion, uh, he suffered abuse at the hand of carers. And you know, there, there was one, one day when he came home and he just sort of signed and said to me, Mom, I want it to stop. And I'm like, want what to stop? And he goes, uh, and, and he's very sort of innocent in the way he said, he, he explained it to me. He said, oh, I, I'm, I'm being thrown against the wall and I, I'm, I'm really scared and I don't like it anymore. And that they keep ripping my jumpers, but it's OK, Mom, they buy me new ones. It's fine. And we were like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, you know, it was... That was part of the journey but then a lot of things have happened to him and i again i'm i wanted to help other parents and families who have a child with um you know a child that's slightly different needs and that are fighting the system and fighting other people's opinions and views and discrimination and all that sort of stuff but again we did it in a very um positive way so that's another book and that's he he will never he will never talk is another one but that's taken me a long time to write because it gets quite emotional with some of the ups and downs you know the abuse and things that happen to him mm. well that's amazing this is this is great so um again we'll have everything up on the website uh, we really appreciate you coming in and, and and talking about your book um our guest has been mandy brown thank you for being here thank you very much to find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.